Franwise presents What's Your Effing Business, a podcast about franchising. Here's your host, Marianne O'Connor. Hey, welcome back to another episode of What's Your Effing Business, a podcast about franchising. We're talking about what are the fundamentals that make great franchises. And this season, we've been talking to builders and growers. Some people have that vision to start a concept from nothing, and they bring it so far, and they realize they need people with a different vision. And those are the growers who take it, or as Meg Roberts from the Lash Lounge says, we're multipliers, and they take it and blow it up. We have someone who, is in that multiplier mode, but also started with the the very genesis of it almost. So welcome today to the CEO of Lawn Doctor and the chairman of the board for Happy Nest, Mr. Scott Frith. Hi, Scott. Hi, Marianne. Nice to be with you. Thanks for it's, having me. Hey, my pleasure. It's great. I'm glad we're both sitting here being casual today and admitting we work from home. <laughs> so, um, Tell us a little bit about first Lawn Doctor and the Genesis, because it's much more than Lawn Doctor now, what Happy Nest is. So, uh, sure. So Happy Nest Brands was created about two years ago. Um, we have Lawn Doctor, we have 600 locations, been around for 53 years. And more recently, Mosquito Hunters joined the family. Uh, we started a little over a year ago with seven locations. We now have 100 locations. And uh, most recently launched EcoMades, and by the end of the year, we'll have 30 locations from two just under a year ago. That's rather outstanding growth in a year of COVID. Um, but I suppose mosquitoes don't take a break. In fact, you can come to California now. We used to always brag we didn't have flying pests. We now have these super aggressive Asian mosquitoes. So come on over and please save my ankles. They're eating me alive. Um, so how did it come to be from weed seed and feed to this multi-brand organization? So, um, honestly, it was really two different things that came together for me. One was, you know, we looked at Lawn Doctor, a 53-year-old concept, and said, you know, we built the infrastructure, we hired the team, we were really doing well, continued to innovate and started to think about, you know, what's next for the brand, what's next for the organization. And we felt like we could kind of move beyond that space. Um, also at the same time, I was working with a number of really interesting entrepreneurs and I, I really realized that their challenges were very similar and also they kind of complemented and overlapped with some of the things that we were really good at. And so starting to think about how we might be able to partner with them and, and grow the organization and help become a little bit of a catalyst for them. So that was, that was really the start of happiness. Well, you have an interesting background because you, well, your dad used to be the CEO of the company. How long have you been with Lawn Doctor? So uh, my father, uh, actually I was six years old when my father started with Lawn Doctor. And I remember vividly uh, my father driving home, tearing apart our laundry room and setting up a home office where he would sell franchises. <laughs> Because who needs laundry? <laughs> 1978. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I thought it was the coolest thing ever when there was this huge green thumb on the side of a van that pulled up in front of our house. And so, you know, that's where my father started. 
Um, I actually joined the company really just as a summer job, you know, job when I had breaks, uh, had an opportunity to work. Um, when I was 14 years old, I worked in our manufacturing plant and did every job from, you know, unloading trucks to working in the parts department to, you know, assembling equipment to being a janitor, honestly. Um, you know, and then, you know, grew up through the organization. I've been with the company now for 25 years on the corporate side. Wow. Wow. Um, and what do you think that the secret to the success, not just of Lawn Doctor, but these other brands that you're bringing in, what, what's the core that makes a good franchisor? Um, you know, I, I think there's a couple things that are critically important. Certainly one is unit economics, right? You have to have a model that actually works for the franchisee. And I think the other thing is critically important that a lot of people don't necessarily get right is the relationship and real true caring for the franchisee. And I think when you have those two things as the foundation, a lot of other things fall into place. And certainly, you know, you have to be good at marketing. You have to be good at sales. You, you need to have good you know, training programs and operational infrastructure and technology and now, you know, business intelligence and visibility into, you know, what's happening inside the business so you can adapt and change. But I think if you start with a concept that really works from a unit economics perspective and a relationship that's authentic, um, you can kind of go anywhere from there. But I always thought it was interesting. You and I did work together quite a number of years ago at this point. I hate to think of how long it's been. But um your franchisees were predominantly people who were really interested in lawn care, which is important when that's what your service is. But then you started to notice times change and sometimes your franchise profile changes because you were getting people who were hiring others to do the work, but they were marketers. Are you still seeing that kind of trend or has it morphed even more? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think any good franchisor can take anyone and make them successful in the model if they're good at what they do. Uh, so, you know, we see a diverse group of, of franchise owners for sure. I do think in general, they're more progressive. They, they are interested in technology. They're interested in marketing. Um, really, the, the widget, if you will, what we do is very much secondary. You know, you, you kind of look at the opportunity and look at unit economics. You look at is the consumer base growing? You know, what's the dimension of the marketplace? Uh, but I, I think really, you know, the, the franchisee is looking for something very different. At the highest level, they want to change their lives. They want to have some fun. They want to build an asset. Um, you know, those sorts of things. But I, I think a very different profile of the franchisee now than, than maybe you know, 10 years ago or so. So as a franchisor, you've mentioned to me before that there are commonalities that no matter what your franchise is, what are the commonalities you saw and what have you put into place so that you can have these three brands and then look at even more brands? The commonalities in terms of the, the kinds of things they needed to be successful? Yeah, being a franchisor. So I'll give you a hint, your call center. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, if, if we look at that, um, really, we looked at the entire business end to end. And I would say, what, what I realized as a home service franchisor is, you know, a franchisee can't be all things to all people. You can't do everything well. And so what we looked at very carefully is what things should we, you know, 
bring inside the organization and what things should we rely on the franchisee to do. And so, you know, we started with an assessment of digital marketing. And our assessment was that space was moving so quickly that it was really hard for an independent franchisee to implement that change and, and drive demand at a unit level. And so we brought that inside and we do all the marketing for our new franchisees and we've expanded that across our entire system for all of our brands. So we have national programs, we have regional programs, and then we have a localized program for our new franchisees. Uh, so started with that to, to create the demand and then you know continuing with that theme we looked at well that franchisee who's really responsible for customer relationships recruiting like-minded employees to drive the model day to day and face the customer um, and make sure they're the ambassador for the brand and implementing the model well you know, they're then not able to make sales the way we would like so in an Amazon world where a consumer can buy anything instantly, it's it's hard to be there and answer the phone on the first ring. And when a consumer fills out a form on a website to instantly respond back to them with an email, with a text, with a phone call, and you know, make sure that you're satisfying their, their expectations. So we actually you know built a call center in-house, pretty extensive project, and you know, learned a lot in the process. Candidly, it's a little bit of a thankless business. It's hard to staff and handle turnover and train people quickly and put the technologies in place and all the workflows that are necessary. Um, we thought it was absolutely essential to our new franchisees, and that's kind of proven out. And then in looking at things like that, then we have the opportunity to look at really where the franchisee can focus. And you know, one of the things we really, you know, beyond what I mentioned, where we asked them to focus. Is that localized marketing you know being the face being the ambassador you know doing the the blocking and tackling if you will that's necessary you know day in and day out so whether that's you know lawn signs or whether that's going to a community event and you know doing those sorts of things they now have the bandwidth to do that because we've taken on these other things well i'm going to take it to you in a different way then because i i think you're on to something that's key that you can't nobody no business can be all things to all people. So you've understood that for the franchisee level and what you could take in. What do you find as a franchisor? How do you make the decision when you can't be everything? What do you look to outsource? It's really interesting. Um, we, we've kind of gone through this cycle a few times now. Technology, of course, was a big area where we had to look at at a point in time, we were developing all of our own software solutions, all of our own technology. And certainly we looked at best of breed developers and we look at products, you know, software as a service or development that's already been done. Uh, that's something that's just gonna be hard for an organization to do unless they have a very specific niche need that's not you know, satisfied in the marketplace. Um, so we look at um, what things should we own internally based on the skill sets that we have and then what things are you know better suited to outsource to others and i think technology is probably the biggest area where we've done that i remember a few years ago at um the unconference and there was this huge debate over do you develop your own <laughs> software or not it, it could have gone on forever thank god those people had to go skiing we'd still be there arguing over what what's the right way to go with that one um what do you see for franchisors in general, 
what is the main role of the franchisor? What do you have to contribute to make it a successful system? For me, at the core, it's innovation and continuous improvement. So, you know, you really have to understand, I think, number one, the customer. You know, where's the puck going? And so, you know, is consumer preference changing? The way they engage with the brand, is that changing? And I think, you know, my father actually once told me something that really stuck. He said, you know, a franchisor's job is you're on top of the mountain and you're looking out miles ahead and trying to see what's out in the distance. And the franchisee, and this is not a disrespectful perspective, but they're on the ground and they're fighting the fight every day to run the day-to-day -day operations of the business. And that's where their focus needs to be. And it doesn't make any perspective inferior. It just is different, right? And so if you can look out and see where that consumer is going and what their preference is and what tomorrow might look like, it's your job as a franchisor to develop solutions that engage with that consumer and, and meets their needs. I think at the same time, you have to look at the unit level operations and consider what might the franchise look like in the future because things will change. Technology will change, digital marketing, maybe even the way we deliver our service. And so, you know, that's not necessarily something that franchisees are thinking about every day, although they can offer you a lot of feedback on, you know, things that could work better and that sort of thing. I think if you're looking at how do I better engage the customer? How do I do a better job for the franchisee in making the model easier to implement? You know, that's what you should expect from a good franchisor. So you're on the mountaintop, which I, I love the visual. You're on the mountaintop and you're looking out. You see a wave coming at you that you have to change. How do you introduce that into the system? Do you have units that you're using to test? Are you just running it by an FAC or is it everybody in the pool? We'll see if it works. Yeah. So uh, this has evolved over time. You know, very candidly, I think it's an area that we could do a better job with. Um, you know, it's not easy, particularly uh, in, in the legacy brand in Lawn Doctor. You know, you have franchisees, fortunately, who have been with us 20, 25, 30 years or, or more. We have many multi-generational operators. It's something we're very, very proud of. Uh, you know, it's, it's not easy to transform legacy systems. And sometimes I feel as if the consumer or the marketplace is evolving a little bit more quickly than I'd like us to. And so, you know, I, I think the better job you do of, you know, in, in our world, we have an advisory council. It's a very active advisory council. They do a great job. Um, and we also have functional committees that, that focus on very specific challenges or opportunities. We'll bring those groups in and we'll work side by side. And we're, it's kind of the pebble in the pond for me, you know, smaller group, bring it to a little bit of a larger group, roll it out to the larger group. Uh, but there, there are times when I think we could do a better job and better engage franchisees in that process. And um, it's something you know, that we're diligent on and always trying to get better on. It's hard. I think it's harder for you being service businesses. You know, people, if it's retail, yes, they may take a few stores that are in representative segments and say, let's try it out. And it's smaller, it's, it's one piece, but a service is hard. Because how do I explain that when I called into the call center, I had service A over here, but I have A minus over here. Um, so that that's a tough one. Um, 
so you have these legacy brands and all of a sudden you're now expanding and you have Mosquito Hunter and Ecomates. Mm-hmm. How do the legacy franchisees feel about daddy's adopted two new kids? <laughs> yeah. So I think at first, um, you know, I would describe it as the baby brother they didn't want. And, uh, you know, I, I think over time, you know, if, if you look at that, if I'm a franchisee who's been with you for, let's just say, 20 years, and it's working really well, we have a good relationship, I'm making money, I'm building value in the asset that I have, you know, I don't necessarily want this broader change, right? And I have questions as to what does that mean to me in terms of how we share resources and will I get the kind of access to the leadership team that I had in the past and some of those kinds of concerns that I think are very legitimate. Uh, I think once you see that vision start to unfold and you see that more is better, there's more resources coming into the organization. You know, we are growing, we're adding people, we're adding energy. And actually the emerging brands are contributing quite a bit in terms of a new perspective, new talent. And we're actually getting solutions from that scrappy emerging brand that maybe we hadn't considered before. And so, you know, the larger organization is benefiting from the process. you know, I, I think it's interesting as you start to look at broader categories that are further from what it is that you're doing, maybe as a lawn doctor franchisee, we are starting to see that crossover where we now have the lawn doctor franchisee who's becoming a franchisee of EcoBase. And we've had that happen uh, just recently, and we have several others who are looking at that. Um, and to me, that's the greatest validation you could ever get is when a franchisee who's been with you in many cases over 20 years says, you know what, not only would I do it again, I'm going to, and I'm going to do it with another brand. And you get to keep that culture across all the brands. That's um, that's really great, because I, I had asked you earlier if there was a crossover between Lawn Doctor and Mosquito Hunter. I understand where there might have been some problems and overlap with that, but the maid service. So why don't you tell us, what is... Um, what are, not is, Marianne, use your grammar right. What are uh, Ecomades and uh, Mosquito Hunter? What do they do? So, yeah, so Mosquito Hunter's uh, disruptive brand, as I mentioned earlier, growing very, very quickly. Uh, and really in that niche, mosquito control, you know, tick control, pest control space. Um, discrete model, very easy to execute, very low cost. And it's really a marketing sales organization and you know simple business model to, to execute at a, at a unit level. Uh, you know Ecomades is uh, a, another disruptor in that of course home cleaning's been around forever. It's a huge category. There's a lot of great brands out there. Uh, I would say disruptor from the perspective of we only do environmentally friendly. So that's the only type of cleaning we do. It's manifested in the brand. The leader of that brand, Lindsay Delasaga, was also a longtime franchisee. And she's an outward manifestation of like, she lives that lifestyle and, uh, and believes deeply in that. And so that, that really trickles through everything that the, the brand does. And so um, really unique offering and um, really resonating in the marketplace here very quickly. Well, as long as we have a captive audience here, are you looking for other brands? Uh, we, we very much are. Um, our model has been um, to, to partner with emerging brands. Um, that entrepreneur who started it you know, has a great brand, has a good culture, 
you know, got it to a certain point, whether that's five, 10, 20, even 50 units. And it's just really hard to get to that next level. You know, you have to look at a different level of capitalization. You know, you have to bring in a different level of team. You need different solutions that maybe are out of reach. And um, so, you know, we can be that catalyst to, to that entrepreneur. And, and our model is to very much partner with them, have them stay in the business, be the leader of that brand, and kind of wrap the happiness to infrastructure and many of the different solutions we provide around that. And so um, we are very interested in that. And I, I do think it's gonna be harder, quite candidly, for those emerging brands to pierce through. And that, that's not self-serving. I just look at the marketplace and how quickly it's evolving and the, the needs of a business and the technologies that are necessary uh, and so I, I think that there's a real need in the marketplace for, for these kinds of partnerships, and, and we're pretty excited about it. So it actually brings you back full circle to what you were saying about your franchisees having to know that they can't be everything to everyone, and a franchisor can't, but franchisors together might do a more full and complete job. That's a, a it's an interesting way to look at expansion. So you've had success with this if there was one thing you could do differently scott what would it be i think that's a really good question um you know i think change management i think what we talked about earlier is uh i i feel the world is moving so much faster today than ever before and the ability to move the organization at an appropriate pace and do it in a way that's authentic with franchisees without stripping without outstripping their capabilities to implement this change because let's face it change is disruptive at a unit level you know you're and running humans humans resistant that you have to do well yeah. and then here comes this thing that you didn't necessarily expect and okay now i've got to do that differently too and so uh, there's this real tension that candidly, we haven't completely figured out of how do we, innovation is at our core. I talk about it all the time. We're, we're gonna continuously improve the things that we do. You know, we're not gonna be blockbuster. And so, you know, how do we embed that in our culture, live that every day, constantly get better, but do it with franchisees in a way that they wanna participate in that change and, and kind of calibrate. And so I think, Finding that sweet spot of that balance is something that, you know, I'd like to do a little bit differently. And changing for growth, not just changing to change. Exactly. It's interesting you mentioned the Blockbuster thing. There's a really good podcast called Magnificent Failures. And it's a, um, a person with a business background, and she goes through and looks at what happened to think Pan Am and Blockbuster is one of them. How did they own it? So I was wondering to myself in this pandemic, is her next podcast going to be Skype, who owned this communication up until COVID, and now everybody's on Zoom, because somehow they didn't they didn't innovate and move fast enough. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you, either they have a brand they want to talk to you about or they'd like some more information, how could they reach you? Uh, probably the easiest way is to go to happynest.com and there's a there's a link there and they can they can reach out to me through that website perfect so thank you this is really interesting i there aren't a lot of brands that can boast two things together that they've been around 
for 53 years and they have franchisees that because of family legacy are almost as old as the brand. That's just so rare. And so there's a big tip of the hat to all of you on that one. And I wish you great success with all the new brands too. And bring the mosquito hunter out here. We need you. Um, for my pleasure. And for those of you who are listening out there, if you have a story you want to tell or you have a story you want to hear from a franchisor, why don't you reach out to me at info at franwise.net. That's info at franwise.net. Meanwhile, thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode of What's Your Effing Business? What's Your Effing Business is created by O'Connell and Company, Inc. and Franwise. It is written and directed by Marianne O'Connell. Technical mastering by Ryan Cleary. Our theme music was written and performed by Sean J. O'Connell and Leviathan Brothers and is available on Spotify. All rights to this podcast and music are reserved.